Chapter Two, Part Two of *The Princess Aline* by Richard Harding Davis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Two, Part Two. The Orient Express, in which Carlton and the mistress of his heart and fancy were speeding towards the horizon's utmost purple rim, was made up of six cars one dining-car with a smoking apartment attached and five sleeping-cars including the one reserved for the duke of hohenwald and his suite these cars were lightly built and rocked in consequence and the dust raised by the rapid movements of the train swept through cracks and open windows and sprinkled the passengers with a fine and irritating coating of soot and earth there was one servant to the entire twenty-two passengers he spoke eight languages and never slept but as his services were in demand by several people in as many different cars at the same moment he satisfied no one and the complaint-box in the smoking-car was stuffed full to the slot in consequence before they had crossed the borders of france carlton and miss morris went out upon one of the platforms and sat down upon a tool-box it isn't as comfortable here as in an observation car at home said carlton but it's just as noisy he pointed out to her from time to time the peasants gathering twigs and the blue-bloused gendarmes guarding the woods and the fences skirting them nothing is allowed to go to waste in this country he said it looks as though they went over it once a month with a lawn-mower and a pruning-knife i believe they number the trees as we number the houses and did you notice the great fortifications covered with grass she said we have passed such a lot of them carlton nodded and did you notice that they all faced only one way carlton laughed and nodded again towards germany he said by the next day they had left the tall poplars and white roads behind them and were crossing the land of low shiny black helmets and brass spikes they had come into a country of low mountains and black forests with old fortified castles topping the hills and with red-roofed villages scattered around the base how very military it all is mrs downs said even the men at the lonely little stations in the forests wear uniforms and do you notice how each of them rolls up his red flag and holds it like a sword and salutes the train as it passes they spent the hour during which the train was shifted from one station in vienna to the other driving about in an open carriage and stopped for a few moments in front of a cafe to drink beer and to feel solid earth under them again returning to their train with a feeling which was almost that of getting back to their own rooms 
they came to great steps covered with long thick grass and flooded in places with little lakes of broken ice great horned cattle stood knee-deep in its grass and at the villages and way-stations were people wearing sheepskin jackets and waistcoats covered with silver buttons in one place there was a wedding procession waiting for the train to pass with the friends of the bride and groom in their best clothes the women with silver breastplates and boots to their knees it seemed hardly possible that only two days before they had seen another wedding-party in the champs-elysees where the men wore evening dress and the women were bareheaded and with long trains in forty-eight hours they had passed through republics principalities empires and kingdoms and from spring to winter it was like walking rapidly over a painted panorama of europe on the second evening carlton went off into the smoking-car alone the duke of hohenwald and two of his friends had finished a late supper and were seated in the apartment adjoining it the duke was a young man with a heavy beard and eyeglasses he was looking over an illustrated catalogue of the salon and as carlton dropped on the sofa opposite the duke raised his head and looked at him curiously and then turned over several pages of the catalogue and studied one of them and then back at carlton as though he were comparing him with something on the page before him carlton was looking out at the night but he could follow what was going forward as it was reflected in the glass of the car window he saw the duke hand the catalogue to one of the equerries who raised his eyebrows and nodded his head in assent carlton wondered what this might mean until he remembered that there was a portrait of himself by a french artist in the salon and concluded it had been reproduced in the catalogue he could think of nothing else which would explain the interest the two men showed in him on the morning following he sent nolan out to purchase a catalogue at the first station at which they stopped and found that his guess was a correct one a portrait of himself had been reproduced in black and white with his name below it well they know who i am now he said to miss morris even if they don't know me that honour is still in store for them i wish they did not lock themselves up so tightly said miss morris i want to see her very much cannot we walk up and down the platform at the next station she may be at the window of course said carlton you could have seen her at budapest if you had spoken of it she was walking up and down then the next time the train stops we will prowl up and down and feast our eyes upon her but miss morris had her wish gratified without that exertion the hohenwalds were served in the dining-car after the other passengers had finished and were in consequence only to be seen when they passed by the doors of the other compartments but this same morning after luncheon the three princesses 
instead of returning to their own car, seated themselves in the compartment adjoining the dining-car, while the men of their party lit their cigars and sat in a circle around them. I was wondering how long they could stand three men smoking in one of the boxes they call cars, said Mrs. Downs she was seated between miss morris and carlton directly opposite the hohenwalds and so near them that she had to speak in a whisper to avoid doing this miss morris asked carlton for a pencil and scribbled with it in the novel she held on her lap then she passed them both back to him and said aloud have you read this it has such a pretty dedication their dedication read which is aline and carlton taking the pencil in his turn made a rapid sketch of her on the fly-leaf and wrote beneath it this is she do you wonder why i travelled four thousand miles to see her miss morris took the book again and glanced at the sketch and then at the three princesses and nodded her head it is very beautiful she said gravely looking out at the passing landscape oh well not beautiful exactly answered carlton surveying the hills critically but certainly very attractive it is worth travelling a long way to see and i should think one would grow very fond of it miss morris tore the fly-leaf out of the book and slipped it between the pages may i keep it she asked carlton nodded and will you sign it she asked smiling carlton shrugged his shoulders and laughed if you wish it he answered the princess wore a grey cheviot travelling dress as did her sisters and a grey alpine hat she was leaning back talking to the english captain who accompanied them and laughing carlton thought he had never seen a woman who appealed so strongly to every taste of which he was possessed she seemed so sure of herself so alert and yet so gracious so easily entertained and yet when she turned her eyes towards the strange dismal landscape so seriously intent upon its sad beauty the english captain dropped his head and with the pretence of pulling at his moustache covered his mouth as he spoke to her when he had finished he gazed consciously at the roof of the car and she kept her eyes fixed steadily at the object towards which they had turned when he had ceased speaking and then after a decent pause turned her eyes as carlton knew she would towards him he was telling her who i am he thought and about the picture and the catalogue in a few moments she turned to her sister and spoke to her pointing out at something in the scenery and the same pantomime was repeated and again with the third sister did you see those girls talking about you mr carlton miss morris asked after they had left the car carlton said it looked as though they were of course they were said miss morris 
that englishman told the princess aline something about you and then she told her sister and she told the eldest one it would be nice if they inherit their father's interest in painting wouldn't it i would rather have it degenerate into an interest in painters myself said carlton miss morris discovered after she had returned to her own car that she had left the novel where she had been sitting and carlton sent nolan back for it it had slipped to the floor and the fly-leaf upon which carlton had sketched the princess aline was lying face down beside it nolan picked up the leaf and saw the picture and read the inscription below this is she do you wonder i travelled four thousand miles to see her he handed the book to miss morris and was backing out of the compartment when she stopped him there was a loose page in this nolan she said it's gone did you see it a loose page miss said nolan with some concern oh yes miss i was going to tell you there was a scrap of paper blew away when i was passing between the carriages was it something you wanted miss something i wanted exclaimed miss morris in dismay carlton laughed easily it is just as well i didn't sign it after all he said i don't want to proclaim my devotion to any hungarian gypsy who happens to read english you must draw me another as a souvenir miss morris said nolan continued on through the length of the car until he had reached the one occupied by the hohenwalds where he waited on the platform until the english maid-servant saw him and came to the door of the carriage what hotel are your people going to stop at in constantinople nolan asked the grande bretagne i think she answered that's right said nolan approvingly that's the one we are going to i thought i would come and tell you about it and by the way he said here's a picture somebody's made of your princess aline she dropped it and i picked it up you had better give it back to her oh well he added politely i am glad you are coming to our hotel in constantinople it's pleasant having some one to talk to who can speak your own tongue the girl returned to the car and left nolan alone upon the platform he exhaled a long breath of suppressed excitement and then gazed around nervously upon the empty landscape i fancy that's going to hurry things up a bit he murmured with an anxious smile he'd never get along at all if it wasn't for me End of chapter two part two